0: The first step is to acknowledge that your symptoms matter and that they're not something that your symptoms matter and they're messengers. So you're not trying to get rid of your symptoms. That's the first thing that, pe- that actually keeps people sick.
1: how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Alana Kessler. Alana is a registered dietitian, yoga instructor, and founder of the holistic lifestyle program, Be Well. Alana has dedicated her practice in helping others learn how to nourish themselves, create balance, and understand their true nature through nutrition, yoga, and inner wellness. Alana developed IBS as an early teen and started to experience high levels of anxiety. And by high school, she developed an eating disorder that she carried with her for 15 years. After feeling she was living a double life for far too long, she decided to heal herself. And these early health struggles inspired her to pursue a master's in clinical nutrition and spent years studying yoga and Ayurveda. And she eventually opened up a yoga studio. Her current practice focuses on Eastern and Western nutrition, functional and Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Mindfulness, interpersonal psycho spiritual healing, and life coaching modalities. On today's episode, we get into Alana's career journey, her history with an eating disorder, her goal of helping people with their relationship with themselves and their relationship with food, the physical manifestation of being disconnected to your inner self, and producing from a place of abundance. So, with that, let's get into this week's episode with Alana Kessler. Thank you so much for being on Active Ingredient. I'm, I'm so pumped to talk about all these health and wellness questions that I personally have. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so pumped to have you. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Thanks for having me. Of
1: course. So I always kick off the podcast asking the guests what they were like as a kid that they remember. Um, mm-hmm. Because typically when I have people on, it's because I genuinely feel that they're working in their Active Ingredient. And a lot of the times characteristics of when you were like in your 10-year-old self are in what you're doing now in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just love to hear what you were like as a little, little Alana.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I was always really introspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always, uh, I was always really artistic and creative and really feelings. Like I was always about feelings. I was always um, existential Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was young and I asked my mom, I think I was eight years old, and I said to her, We were looking in the mirror together, and I remember I was putting on her lipstick, and I was like, Mom, I'm me. I'm me, and you're you. <laughs> oh
1: my god, you're so cute.
0: <laughs> and That's I so
1: like, wise.
0: <laughs> and like my mind was like blown. Like, I'm me, like I'm here. And you're also here. And we're just like forms that are here. And I feel like that way of living, which is so which is so like almost like perfunctory yet existential, Mm -hmm. has always been how I was. So even as a kid, I was always giving advice. I was always seeing the big picture of things. Mm -hmm. And I always was very sensitive. So those things in my work have been really interesting for me, as someone who does this work and as someone who's also uh, committed to personal growth. And how those things have not always complemented each other—being so sensitive and being so intellectual—and my journey for myself has really been finding the balance between when to, uh, you know, when to use my intellect and my wisdom um and when not to and when to feel into my body. And that's actually been um the biggest journey over the twenty years that I've been. You know, I relate a lot to that. Yeah.
1: Like I mega relate, I feel like it's a superpower because Mm -hmm. you can empathize with other people. You can actually feel what they're feeling and and when Mm -hmm. someone feels seen, it's the best way that you can communicate back to them how to fix or Start their journey to fixing something, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's a double edged sword because you feel everything, and then it's like sometimes paralyzing to actually move forward in your own journey. So I totally,
0: oh, yeah. Thank you for reflecting that back because it's so it's so true and it's confusing. And um, but as a little kid, I remember so clearly. Also, I was always very solitary. So I used to sit in rocking chair and listen to classical music and stare out the window for two hours. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Like I was (laughs) like a
1: prodigy kid.
0: (laughs) I was just always really (laughs) just, I was just, I felt like I was always really connected to things outside myself and always within myself and the confluence of that has been my journey. I think trying to figure out how to be in the world and of the world. I remember my first yoga teacher said that I think like, I, so I started practicing yoga in the nineties, the late nineties. Um, I'll be 40 in January. So,
1: which by the way, I read that. And like, we, I am so happy that we're doing this video because like, when I tell you that I read that and I was like, how in God's deadly doubt of the earth is this woman 40? Like, I'm so excited to hear all of your tips and tricks because it is wild, (laughs) wild. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, but you started yoga in the nineties.
0: So I started practicing the late nineties. I mean, you know, traditional asana yoga, Mm -hmm. which to me is that there's a difference between the physical asana practice of yoga and the other eight limbs of yoga, which is a whole other conversation. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so I started practicing the physical asana practices of yoga in the late nineties. And I remember a teacher once said to me, You know, you want to be in the world and of the world. And that has been running through my mind all these years. And it's something that now I understand. Um, Being someone who really, like I said before, um, you know, as a kid, I I did get cut off from my feelings for a variety of reasons. And um, almost coming back home to my feelings, that's where my real home is mm-hmm. you know I feel like my superpower is my ability to see to connect the dots and see the macro and distill them to people that make sense and actually yeah. inflict and, and impact huge change for people in a in a very simple kind of way where people are like wow I've been trying to work on this for so long and you just told me one thing that has nothing to do with what I thought I came to you for but I'm not doing that any, like, I I don't have this habit anymore. I'm not binging anymore. I'm not, I don't have this craving. Like I have it, but I get it. Um, and that always is amazing, but that didn't anchor me to my own healing. And so it's been a really nice journey for me to almost pull back, um, on some of that stuff. And that's actually what I did. Uh, and it was very humbling and it took a lot of restraint and it had to take a lot of my practice to kind of, uh, know, over the years to really, uh, pull back from being the smart one to really say you're not healed and this isn't, um, this doesn't have integrity. Like even though it's helping people, it doesn't have integrity for you and you could totally get away with it if you wanted, but if you, but you're not happy, um, and you know, and it's
1: that's not a, a really habit. hard, that's a really hard position to be in. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate to that also. And like, how do you reconcile that? Because on one hand you see successes for other people. You see that your work is, is making an impact, mm-hmm. but you also know that you can be doing so much more if you give mm-hmm. yourself time. But then in that, in that intermediate time where you're often not outwardly helping other people and focusing on yourself to then eventually make a bigger impact, like, do you feel like you're missing on opportunity? Do you feel like your identity is being completely stripped from what you had already built? Like that's a huge step to be able to to be able to take and step into fully.
0: Girl, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about meditation, mindfulness, like the real work, like the you know the undercurrent, mm-hmm. not just not just the content, you know, not just putting out the theory, but actually practicing what that is. I mean, sitting with the discomfort of watching your peers give advice and getting feedback and knowing that, you know, you could say, I knew that. I knew that. Right. But knowing is so different. I, you know, knowing is not the same putting out something, you know, is not the same as it coming from your heart and coming from your heart and putting it out. That takes a level of excavation and willingness to say, actually, this isn't coming from my heart. And it hurts me that it's not coming from my heart. And there's a fullness and an abundance. Like when you talk about abundance overflow, like we always talk about that in the wellness, you know, the wellness world, like mm-hmm. give from the abundance, give from the abundance. It's not about consuming and then giving from con- the consuming abundance. It's actually from the stillness and the abundance of being with your own identity, your own, um, you know, th- what, what are you unwilling to feel? Um, all the things that you 're not feeling, all the things that you are um, you know su- you know all the things that you 're sublimating and being with that for yourself, and you feel actually how abundant that experience is, and then it 's inspired, right so you give from inspiration and it 's inspiration overflow, not consumption overflow and that 's' wow, such learned. a good distinction yeah, and the inspiration has to come from. The willingness to look at your to be to have radical honesty about your own truth, your own experience, and no one is going to see you like that. Um, And that's the hard part, you know. It's how did you
1: how did you identify that for yourself? Like, I feel like that that couldn't have been an overnight thing. You must have been feeling this for some for some time. But how did you identify for yourself that? you, you could be doing work to figure out what these feelings are that you're not working from that place of inspiration or that place from like true, true depth. Um, what were the steps that you actually took? And like, how did you recognize that in yourself? If someone's, if some, if this is like lighting something in someone's head, that's listening, that's like, Oh wait, I kind of feel like this sometimes, you know?
0: I mean, honestly, it's exactly the work I do now. I mean, it was physical symptoms first. I mean, I had physical symptoms. I was fatigued, um, i wasn't i wasn 't able to connect with people well I was irritable um, I started getting some skin issues um, I was getting sick a lot um, i started i I started uh, showing autoimmune markers in my lab work for you know confusing reasons mm-hmm. um, you know I was having stomach issues digestion absorption issues you know this started this has been an ongoing journey for me but when I started to really Feel into how uncomfortable it was. Um, You know, that's when I, that, you know, and, and then the patterns kept happening over and over again in my relationships, in my dating life. I just kept feeling like the same thing was happening over and over again. I was feeling hurt in the same exact way over and over again. I was feeling victimized in the same exact way over and over again. It was just like the same thing over and over again. And you know, eventually there was just a shift in instead of trying to change myself or strategize to figure it out. I was just like, okay, this is, this is what it is. And I'm just going to surrender to it. And I'm just going to, you know, and then of course, you know, I looked into methods also, it's not just looking, it's not just sitting in stillness and on a mountain and looking at yourself. Like I started taking different supplements I started working with different breath work. I started doing all the tools and methods that I offer my, in my coaching now, but it was more, you know, I started to see coaches myself. I started to see therapists, you know, I started to see different coaches. I started to read books. Um, But was there
1: like one straw that broke the camel's back that made you surrender or that made you finally realize that you had to do this internal work?
0: Um, I feel like it's been a steady climb, you know, I feel like there's yeah. been a lot of straws, but I would say that, that the deepest, the deepest work that I have done has been over the last year. And really? the, yeah. And the straw was a relationship that I had that, um, ended in a way that really confused me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was showing up like my whole self and, um, but yet the reaction I was feeling in my body was so graspy and so, um, scarce and fear-based that I was confused and I, I was really confused and I was like, there is something I'm missing here. And in that time I got sick, you know, I got a cold, I got bronchitis, I got like, you know, and any kind of lung disorder is actually, um, grief and, you know, cause the lungs actually hold the grief um, and also hold joy. Right. So it's, you know, and it's all connected, but it, when you're feeling grief and grief is an emotion, that's extremely hard to acknowledge. because mm-hmm. It's so exhausting, but on the other side of grief is like real surrender. And it's almost like, if you grieve, you have to know what you're grieving. And so I think when I started getting all these respiratory symptoms, which I've had for years, um, and the irony is I'm a singer. I actually got into college as a singer. So for me, so for me, it's very obvious. Yeah. I, I just was like, something's up, like, you know, a lot of things, but something's off. And I just started to deep dive into energy, the difference between masculine and feminine energy, um, which is huge now in my work. Um, and not just male, female, but actually how you show up in the world, Um, and what I learned about myself is that I was showing up very masculine and I'm like, like I told you, who are you as a little kid? I love that question. I'm very feminine. I would receive, I receive everything. I sit in solitude and I listen to music and I look at, you know, I look out the window and I like, when I walk into a space, I like to stand first on the side and like, and like, you know, observe and feel the energy. And then Mm -hmm. I start to make my way, um, but in my career over the last 20 years, I've definitely been more, and being a business owner, you know, for a long time, you're, you know, it, the, what you do is you go first, you know, you put out first um, and it gets confusing as to doing that in your professional life and doing that in your personal life. Mm-hmm. And I realized in my personal, I lost my personal life. I got way too enmeshed in my Business, like because I because I was doing my passion for my work, I didn't have good boundaries around who I am. Alana as like a woman, and Alana as a business owner, and what I'm doing for my contribution to the world. And a business owner that
1: that your name is your business, so that's another extra layer of confusion, you know?
0: Exactly. And I realized that that severing of my source was at the root of a lot of my. a lot of my my pain and a lot of what i was struggling with uh, in my interpersonal relationships in my digestion of my food you know i talk a lot about digestion and metabolism isn't just the food you eat but it's also the energy you absorb in the world even more so sometimes as that triggers your hormones and that triggers you know then that triggers your microbiome and your gut health and how you your villi and your stomach start absorbing food and that's how you can get food sensitivities because food you eat a lot that is good that you like end up getting you your body ends up fighting it because you eat it a lot if your hormones get imbalanced from your environment
1: you're hitting on so many things that I want to touch on, (laughs) but you said something earlier on in the interview that, um, that I really want to talk about, which was that you felt that you hit kind of a point where you were disconnected from your feelings and that manifested in all of these different ailments. Right. And I read that you, um, that you've suffered from an eating disorder and also, um, IBS which yes, a family sure. member of mine also has IBS and so it's very close to home to me and I really want to un- have a better understanding of yeah. the root cause of it. Um, is it from being removed from your feelings and it's just a way for your body to kind of combat that? Um,
0: hundred, yeah. And then hundred also just passion. like,
1: can you just walk me through like how how to navigate that and how you've navigated that?
0: Totally, an amazing question. First of all, you're so insightful. Oh my god! Thanks. <laughs> I'm loving talking to you. It's same,
1: so <laughs> same. I feel like this is going to be a two-hour podcast because I genuinely have so many questions that I need to know. Like, I have to know.
0: Oh my god, I'm totally happy to answer <laughs> all of them for you. Um, so, IBS for sure. I mean, your stomach is your third chakra. It's your, it's your confidence. It's your connection to your worthiness, right? So, it's your worth. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you don't feel like you're worthy and you're disconnected from your worth, the only way, and you're looking for worth from the outside, because you're not, you're not, your relationship to yourself and your feelings is cut off. So you're not holding space for your own feelings. What does a stomach do? It holds space, right? So if you're not holding space for yourself, your feelings, which are your, which is your nutrition for your, for your energetic body, Mm -hmm. then you're going, your, your physical physiological body is going to fire up against you. So
1: would you feel, do you feel like right now you're 99% cured from IBS?
0: Yeah, for sure. But that's not to say that I'm not uncomfortable sometimes. Right. So IBS is also about not thinking that you're going to eliminate, eliminate discomfort. Of the stomach, right? IBS is really about being able to have discomfort initially and have the discomfort be a messenger to ask deeper questions about your feelings, right? So you don't immediately say, like, oh, I'm constipated. Oh my God, I have IBS. I have IBS. All of a sudden, you're like identifying and labeling yourself with, I have IBS making that quick shift and being like, I'm experiencing symptoms of this, which are uncomfortable. I'm going to now like not try to do a hundred things. This is telling me that I'm going to sit with this and, you know, have your toolkit. You know, I take probiotics. I make sure I drink enough water every day. I make sure that I wake up. If I'm, you know, I wake up earlier than most people so that I can like be relaxed. And, you know, and then if, if, if I still have discomfort, I try not to get so somatic about it. Like I yeah. try not to get, you know, myopic and like somatic and be like, Oh my God, and only think about that. That doesn't make it better. Right. Right. So you have to have toolkits of things to do. Um, it's so
1: fascinating. Yeah. So for someone that like is, and it doesn't have to be necessarily IBS, that any other kind of, um, manifestation of, a physical symptom that has to do with mental health What, what are some like tangible next step tools that someone can take right now, like as they're listening to this podcast to start a journey of actually doing the deeper work to get to the root of the problem?
0: Well, first of all, I think that the first step is to acknowledge that your symptoms matter Mm -hmm. and that they're not something and that they're, that your symptoms matter and they're messengers. You're not trying to get rid of your symptoms. That's the first thing that pe- that actually keeps people sick, is that they have symptoms and they're like, "How do I get rid of my fatigue? How do I get rid of my cramps? How do I make how do I make this better for some idea of then I'm going to feel amazing." The first step is to really be like, "Okay, I'm not. You know, I'm tired. Like, let me ask myself." you know, let me, let me, let me quiet down. Let me, you know, take a moment and you don't have to sit there and meditate. It doesn't have to be like something where you're like, Oh, I have to traditionally meditate. I could say that I probably meditate all the time. I'm constantly, I'm like meditating all day. I'm constantly right. asking myself, how am I feeling right now? Where can I, you know, bring more energy and attention? Um, at random times of the day, you know, not yeah. all the time, but So I'd say starting to approach yourself like that um, and not having to make everything a big issue um, in the sense where you have to fix everything.
1: Yeah. I think that's also a very um, Western way of thinking, Um, masking the problem, just getting the Band-Aid fixed, just doing Mm -hmm. the thing that is in your immediate, like it's immediately bothering you. So this is how you immediately get rid of it. Mm -hmm. But changing, I think that that's a great first, tangible next step is, identifying the fact that your body is a beautiful thing that is there to send messages and is there to, it's there to help you. Like it's literally, it's only having that skin flare up. It's only having these, um, anxiety feelings or this, whatever, whatever, in whatever form it's coming to you, it's there because it's trying to communicate something that is already out of whack inside of your body.
0: Exactly. That's so perfect. That's exactly right. And it's and you know and just saying to yourself, okay, this is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, what ha- what is the context around this content? Yeah. And ask yourself, like, okay, did I eat something bad last night? Did I have a conversation with my mom, partner, coworker at you know that was draining for me? Start yeah. to honor your own energy. Right and be like, what happened around this thing? You know, am I in a am I relate am I in a relating scenario that is that is uncomfortable for me that I'm not admitting to myself? Yeah, that is a huge thing, right? Or have I been reacting in a way that is self righteous or that isn't in alignment with how I truly feel? Am I come and this is this is the humble work where it's like. What's my responsibility in my symptoms showing up? You know, and that's real, I think, where the real work begins. Like, that, what's that seems my like the hardest part?
1: Yeah, like, what have I done to get here?
0: Without blame. It's right. more just an inquiry. It's not, and I think when some people ask themselves that, the first answer is nothing. Like, this just happened to me. That's the first, that's why we're staying here, <laughs> you know? I've learned to never say this is just happening to me almost to the extreme, like where I've taken responsibility for things or probably I could have just let him go. Right. That was the other side that I kind of had to go to for a long time where I probably was martyring and self-sacrificing myself. And I spent years probably doing that because I wanted to go to that end, um, and see how far was. Yeah. And Finding that, that balance is the it. hardest
1: thing. So wait, so walk me through kind of your career trajectory also, because I'm sure that people are probably listening because they're interested in health questions, but also because they're interested maybe in starting something um, similar or getting into the nutrition space um, or uh, dietitian space. Just walk me through kind of how you first started getting your sea legs and um, how we got to today.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy to share. Um, so I mean, you touched on the fact that I struggled with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. for a long time. So, um, I'd say that that was probably the impetus to go into nutrition. Um, it wasn't the healthiest motivation to be completely honest. I grew up in a house where my mom exercised a lot, you know, she was into food. Mm Um, I'd say that, messages around body image and, you know, what was in calories and things like that were there. So I started working out when I was 15, you know, I was definitely, uh, you know, I was definitely in tune with sizes and all these things. So it wasn't like this concept was completely new to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I struggled with bulimia for almost 15 years. So, um, I was 16 when I started with the symptoms of that and um you know I would say that that you know I, so you know that was in my I was obsessed with food you know I was always obsessed with food and like I said I got into college as a I actually was a singer my whole life I still sing and you know write music and everything like that but I <laughs> thanks I got into <laughs> college <laughs> I did too it's amazing you like yeah.
1: smiled and lit up when you said that
0: <laughs> yeah no it's it's like my my favorite um yeah it's I really feel like my whole self when I'm doing music as well so I love um, that thank you Yeah. It's. I love it too and um yeah so I got I when I started college I got in as a singer um it wasn't a career trajectory that was realistic um for me mainly because of how I was raised um, not necessarily because of my talent or that it wouldn't have been possible. Um, but I think my, uh, my construct of my life was just, mm-hmm. it didn't fit um, at the time. And so I was changing my major and I was like, Oh, okay, I'll change my major to nutrition. Mm-hmm. And basically at the, that was, I was 18 years old and that's also when I started practicing yoga you know, us and I would do like videos, literally VHS tapes with Rodney Yee. And like, um, yeah, my first was like VHS with Rodney Yee and CDs with like Brian Kest and like Mark Blanchard. I don't even know if people know who these people are, but it's like, I would literally just do videos and then I would do, um, you know, and I was committed, super committed to yoga. And I just, when I found yoga, I was like this and I was I started practicing yoga for those New Yorkers. No, there's a, I don't even think it's there anymore, but there's a crunch on Lafayette in Soho. Um, Mm -hmm. and I started practicing there, um, in 1999, yeah, around there, 1998,
1: 1999. And, um, Wait, crunch offered yoga or it was a yoga studio
0: crunch offered yoga with some of the like best teachers in New York at the time. That's so funny. I still know. And I'm connected to them. Um, And yeah. And I started practicing and I was committed. Like yoga was like, it became where my whole entire, like everything became about my classes. Like I, that's really what happened. Yeah. Um, And then throughout college, I, you know, I did nutrition and then I got my bachelor's and then I got my master's and I became an RD And I started working, um, at St. Luke's Roosevelt as a clinician for two and a half years, um, from 2004 to 2007, while at the same time, yoga was becoming much more and more of like my entire Mm -hmm. life. I feel like I really move away from my origin kind of community and became much more into yoga. And, um, The story that I like to tell people of how I got into what I do now is that when I was at St. Luke's, I used to leave in the middle of the day to go to yoga. Um, So we had like an hour lunch, but there was this class that I like to take on the Upper West Side, Yoga Works Upper West Side Mm. at 1045 to 1215 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so I would leave the hospital to go to take the class and it would take me like two and a half hours the whole thing, the traveling and one of my closest friends, uh, a colleague at the time, um, she knew that I was doing this and we, she and I would strategize or if the manager, if our manager was looking for me, she would just be like, I don't know where Alana is. And then, (laughs) and then we would kind of like, you know, figure it out.
1: She had your back.
0: But after like 10, I think after like maybe like six months of this, I felt so guilty. Cause I, so I'll tell you how long ago this was. I bring my beeper into the yoga class. Wow. (laughs) In case my manager was beeping me and then I would just know that she was looking for me. Right. But I started to realize that that was counterproductive, completely counterproductive to my relaxing. Yeah. And so, and so I said, I was going to be honest with her and tell her that I was doing this and ask her if it'd be okay if I could stay later, like an hour later to just finish up my hours, right? Because it's corporate. Right. So I did and she said no and I quit. On the wow! Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do this. Now. I'm not doing this. Then, like, if I can't, I don't. I don't get it. Like, I'm gonna stay. This is so ridiculous. Like, why can't I stay? An hour later, I'm being honest. Like, I'm trying to collaborate with you on this. I was like 25 years old or 26, and I was just like, I'm done. Like, I quit. And at that point, I'd been practicing yoga at the time for like eight years, and I felt like my energy was moving more towards that being where I wanted to serve, mm-hmm. and I wanted people to come into their nutrition through their body because that's what I was doing. Like right. I was starting to appreciate food and appreciate um, health, not from like an outside in perspective of like calories, this and that, but more like, oh, what do I want? You know, and this is, and this is kind of now my tenets of intuitive eating, which is how do I feel? What do I want? Why do I want it? And I started that probably like 13 years ago where I started to be like, well, this is how I want people to start to approach nutrition. Um, And I want it to be supported by community. And I want to have like an organic way where people, again, like I said, are inspired. It's not coming from a consumption. So these things have been in my in my sphere for so long, my yeah. values around wellness has been in my, has been here for so long where it's all about inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then you ask questions from inspiration and then you get the knowledge rather than um, consuming the knowledge and trying to alchemize that into wisdom. Like, right. It's not like that. And so that's when I was like, I want to open, I want to have a community. So I quit my job there went traveling with a friend for two months throughout Southeast Asia and then when I came back, one of my colleagues actually in the hospital, quit too. And she was like, do you want to create, do you want to do a, uh, like a wellness, do you want to create like a private practice together um, that is going to be a combination of yoga, nutrition and cooking? And this was 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or maybe it was like 2007, end of 2007. And I was like, yeah, great. I was like, but, and I was still sick. So I was still pretty symptomatic with the eating disorder. Yeah. So there was that conflict knowing that I was still really struggling. So I didn't feel comfortable counseling people with nutrition at the hospital. It was fine because it was more just clinical nutrition is different. It's just like cardio yeah. diet or something, yeah. you know, low salt, low fat, but it's not about helping people with their goals. relationship like, with
1: food relationship yeah. with themselves. Yeah. It's exactly. different.
0: Exactly. So I actually said to her, I'm not comfortable doing nutrition, but I'll do the yoga part. And, you know, and we can do the cooking together. And she's like, great. Long story short, we just had, I wanted to open a space Mm -hmm. and she wanted to have more of an office where we were taking insurance and all these things. And it's just at the time I was, you know, younger and I was very just like, this is what I want to do and I'm doing it. And so I was like, we're not aligned. And so we just went our separate ways very amicably still. We're friends. And, um, I decided to open up Sangha Yoga Shala, which was my studio in Williamsburg for nine years. Um, and that was basically my baby.
1: Did you still feel an interest in wanting to eventually focus on the nutrition and intuitive eating, um, coaching side of things or, and you just still didn't feel ready or like, were you no. just focused on doing the yoga?
0: At the time I all actually right. was like, I'm not going to do nutrition ever at all. Like ever, like I'm going to actually own a yoga. and even to the teaching yoga, I didn't even, because my self-worth was so low. Right. So I actually had a very low self-worth, um, because, but I was so good. Like we, like I said, I was so good at creating, you know, because I because of my intelligence and my ability to distill and understand spirituality and connect the dots and have awareness about things, I was inspiring to other people. I just wasn't right. inspiring for myself. And I didn't feel I I didn't feel good enough to be now there were two things. Like I wanted I wanted what I really wanted was a space for people to have their own voice. So the brand of Sangha was it wasn't like a, like, it wasn't like, this is our yoga, you know, it wasn't like a branded yoga, which kind of what, how things are more now. Right. Sangha was like a community space where any teacher who had a discipline and a strong commitment to their practice and they had a voice they could teach there as long as they were reliable, consistent, and committed to their classes. And um, I was happy for them to grow into however they wanted to be as a teacher. Like for me, that was amazing because that was all I wanted for myself, right? right? And I wanted to hold the space for that. So that's what I, you know, so that's basically what I did. And then over the times, over, and then over the years, I started wanting to teach more. Like as the years went on, I started to find my words. Through so many of the things I was doing, you know, I studied Ayurveda, I started to, you know, get deeper into mindfulness and meditation. Um, you know, I'm a student first, I always say. Like I am a student first. It's like whenever there's an opportunity for me to be a student, I take it. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So for me, it was just about that. And then people started knowing that I was into nutrition and with Ayurveda, it was almost like, People started asking questions and I started noticing that I was excited about sharing Ayurveda with them. And that's when I started seeing patient clients one-on-one. When I started to feel like I was answering their questions with nutrition information, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, maybe I do want to do nutrition now. Yeah. And that's how I started doing that. You know, that's how I started seeing clients. When when you started getting excited and
1: answering those questions, were you simultaneously also getting more and more healed with your own bulimia?
0: Yeah, so I didn't actually start seeing clients until it until I was pretty much asymptomatic at that point. Like, and I think I I don't I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think that energetically, just law of attraction, I it was right. You know, and I completely agree. Yeah. Like it was right. Uh, and I spent a lot of, uh, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, committing to myself. Uh, I always, I, I talk about Ashtanga yoga being the practice. St- it's still my main practice that Indian yoga are my two main practices. Now I've added in some other things, but, um, I, I credit Ashtanga yoga with actually helping me, um, completely, uh, heal from it because the discipline, the body awareness, the repetition, the consistency, the early mornings, it really helped me change my habits around uh, the compulsive energy around bulimia. Um, Mm -hmm. I started to want to feel good in my Ashtanga practice over wanting to binge and purge at night, um, which was usually my time when I would, you know, binge and purge the most. So um, I actually didn't realize I was not symptomatic for like, 7 months and I was wow. just like, oh my god I haven't binged on Persian 7 months and in those 7 months I was dedicated to that. ashtanga I mean for many years I've been dedicated but you, you know, can see
1: a direct correlation like, on how oh, on how yeah. intense you were doing it yeah. yeah and
0: at the same time then I had space because around that same time I was doing my ayurveda training and so you know I it all just kind of attracted because but it was it wasn't something that I made Set out a to vision do. board. Yeah. And, you know, and sat down with my list and was like, here's my strategy. It was just like, I was feeling into myself mm-hmm. every night, you know, and that's really my biggest takeaway. It's just like, be truthful about how you feel and take responsibility for your desires. And sometimes when you take responsibility for your desire, that comes with sacrifice of something that's familiar, that might feel good but isn't healthy and you need to it's not be serving you. about that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Um, okay, question about resources that you lean on to continue to teach yourself teach yourself and be a child of this practice and continue to learn. Like what are three resources that I can start and the audience can start reading in Ayurveda, um, Chinese medicine or intuitive eating, anything like that.
0: I know I read this question and I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm generally
1: asking because I literally tried to research like for myself personally, even yeah. before I was going to have you on, like, how do I start learning about Ayurveda? Cause I'm actually interested.
0: Right. So first of all, um, yin yoga for me, my teacher, Sarah Powers, um, I love her. Her book mm-hmm. insight yoga is like one of my favorite yin books. It's amazing. Okay. Um, for Ayurveda, Ayurveda is one of those things where you've got to experience it for yourself. You have to have a practitioner help you. I had a one, I worked with a, when I, I worked one on one with a, an Ayurvedic doctor for a year and a half before I did the, her training. Oh, wow. And it was so meant to be because she was renting the space in the same office as me and my colleague when I opened wow. my private practice. And that's how we met. And she took me on because she's like, I think you're like my daughter. I feel this connection to you and like this whole thing. And so, She almost took me on as a mentee and I was her mentee for a year and a half. And that's really how I learned about Ayurveda for my own body. I would really say to find someone, a practitioner who, and, and do the practices. It really is a living practice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would say that for Ayurveda and then. Mindfulness. I mean, I listen to. I mean, I listened to Tara Brock and Jack Hornfield like for three years straight. Like, that's the only thing I listen to. Or okay. like an ex boyfriend of mine was like, "Do you have any <laughs> other things to talk about?"
1: No, I um, love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to listen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's, yeah. So I mean, those and um, yeah, I would say that. And then, I, really, what I do, the best resource I can offer is when something tickles your fancy just Google about it.
1: Yeah.
0: If something is exciting to you when you're when you're in a workshop or even just like start to see everything as being an opportunity for resources. Yeah. That's really my advice. Like I, I'll, I have my notes out all the time and I'll be like, I'm going to research that later. And then I, I just that. Google it and then I find a book, you know, and something like that.
1: What would you say is your, I feel like you've touched on it the whole podcast, but if you have to answer, if someone's asking you what your active ingredient is, or what is that deeper thing that is pushing you forward and keeping you seeing patients, keeping you learning, what is that active ingredient?
0: I would say it's, I would say the active ingredient, that's so hard to put into one word, it doesn't
1: have to thing. be one it doesn't have to be one thing you can just say kind of like what you feel when when you hear that question.
0: Yeah. I would say it's the desire and the belief that we all deserve to feel whole and seen and healthy and vibrant and it's really my passion to enlighten and illuminate for people that all the magic is within themselves if they're able to see if they have a good map for the maze that is the body and also to understand that it's not always going to be comfortable. And at the end of the day, the willingness to be the willingness to to be a student of yourself and you know, all these words like vulnerability totally. um, But just always to say, the, the world and my body and my mind and my heart are all conspiring for me to be able to live my best life. And how do I need to organize my past, my present, and my desire for my future in a way that helps me feel grounded? And how can I utilize food, mindfulness, relationship, um, you know, and my life really as the lab? for all of this. And I feel like I'm a great scientist in that, in that way. I love that answer. I love that answer. (laughs) Um,
1: so I always close out the podcast asking a lighter question on what is your literal active ingredient, something that you have to do, drink, consume, eat anything every single day.
0: Yes. So I have to have My, this isn't an ad, but I have to have my four sigmatic mushroom coffee. Oh my God. They
1: actually sponsor a ton of podcasts.
0: (laughs) I'm obsessed, like legit. Which one? Beyond the ashwagandha. Okay. The one, the mind calm, it has cinnamon in it and ashwagandha. It's amazing. It's so good. Well, I stopped drinking caffeine a couple years ago. So this is perfect. Um, And also yoga. I have to do yoga every day. Every single day. Every day. It doesn't have to be like a big deal. It can just be like sun salutations, or like a 20-minute practice, but I have to practice yoga every day and meditate for at least 6 minutes. So, my meditation can run from 6 minutes to 45 minutes. Oh wow. So every day I have to do at least 6 minutes and um and practice yoga whether it's like for 15 minutes and
1: I love that. I'm going to try that for sigmatic for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: I'm excited. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Where can everyone find you?
0: So you can find me on Instagram at BeWellbyAK and my website, bewellbyak.com. And yeah, you can send me an amazing. email. Yeah, I just launched my 16-week membership program. Mm. Um, it's an amazing program that helps with developing and sustaining a foundation and wellness, you know, through again mindfulness, nutrition. Understanding your purpose, just yourself as a whole person, um, and you know now that we know that physical ailments and physiological ailments are usually connected to your spiritual and emotional body. I mm-hmm. am so proud of the program and have had a lot of success. It has downloads and yoga classes and meditations and it's set out week by week so that you can follow it in a week by week way or but you or you can just take all the content and self-navigate and you get to work with me one-on-one twice a month
1: amazing okay i'm gonna check it out for sure yeah Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.